Welcome to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Weinbanks and Victor Shi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations. As always, we want to thank you for listening to Intergenerational Politics. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. And we also have a website, intergenerationalpolitics.com. This is Victor Shi. I'll be an incoming freshman next year at UCLA, got elected as the youngest delegate for Joe Biden, and also co-host this podcast with Jill. And I'm Jill Weinbanks, the author of The Watergate Girl, which I hope you'll all read, and also the co-host of this, as well as an MSNBC legal analyst. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Senator Amy Klobuchar from the great state of Minnesota. We plan on talking about the challenges that face the Biden administration in a time of partisan gridlock, the status of the COVID relief package, and her advice for students during this difficult period. We are delighted to have you with us, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Victor. We're working hard here to the end. Um, It's been frustrated that we haven't gotten the COVID package done yet, but I think we will. And uh, mostly we're looking forward to Inauguration Day. Uh, That's my big, I'm actually involved in planning that. So with uh, Senator Blunt, uh, yes, I'll be speaking there. So there we are. Okay, so that is definitely so exciting that you are a part of that Inauguration Day committee process. Um, But can you kind of, you know, that we're on this Inauguration Day uh, topic, can you talk about how important that moment is, at least for U.S. history and at least for the peaceful transition of power? On that day, um, we, the president and the vice president-elect, take the stage uh, on the west front of the Capitol, and uh, the whole scaffolding's already been built for that. Um, and they are sworn in, um, and the, usually it's one of the Supreme Court justices uh, mm-hmm. who swears them in. And as you know, the uh, Congress is behind them. Now, the whole Congress won't be behind them only because of the six feet apart rules, um, and everyone will be wearing masks, and it's going to be a very different look. But I still mm-hmm. think having that moment uh, must occur. We must have that peaceful transition of power, and that's when Joe Biden will address the nation. And uh, the rest of the inauguration, parade, balls, those kinds of things, I wouldn't say it's, it's not canceled. It's not happening as it usually does, but there's going to be amazing virtual events for the rest of it. Um, and that's, that is uh, not under Congress's jurisdiction. That's planned by the Presidential Inaugural Committee, or picked as it is affectionately known around here. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the image of everyone wearing masks. And I think really that's one of the more important messages that will be yeah. communicated to America as President Biden, mm-hmm. uh, President-elect Biden becomes President Biden. We really think it's important to have it you know, on the Capitol as it always yes. is, well, with a very different, it won't be a big crowd or anything, but behind the president-elect and then President Biden, and Vice President Harris should be the leaders of Congress to make it very clear this is a, a peaceful transition of power. And so that's what we're planning for. So when you talk about peaceful transition, it's coming at a time when there is a lot of polarization. There's little bipartisanship ever since Trump's 2016 election. And unfortunately, it's gotten worse since his 2020 loss. Many Republicans are refusing to acknowledge Biden as president-elect, or at least not publicly. 
and they're working to undo the will of over 80 million voters and are ignoring the harsh language of many courts. As someone who, like President-elect Biden, has made it a priority to reach across the aisle in the Senate, how do you think the Biden administration can overcome this polarization, unify our country, and get things done? Well, he has unique skills in that he has uh, worked across the aisle for years as a senator and vice president with President Obama. And yes, I've heard so many Republicans say good things about him, honestly, that are here, as well as our Democratic Party that was united. So you, you go into that with what we'll call the skill set. Uh, secondly, um, I think that President Trump's actions, both before but incredibly after the election, have been uh, really uh, anti-democratic. Uh, he doesn't seem to acknowledge uh, what happened in this election, where uh, Joe Biden won by millions and millions of votes. That being said, there are still many Republicans that are standing up, governors acknowledging the election. Look what's happening in Georgia uh, there with the Secretary of State, where he's pushing those results that they're correct. And so I guess I look at it as uh, glass half full at this point, because you do have Republicans, local Republican and Democratic election officials standing by their results. And now we're going to have the um, electoral college vote. And then in January, it will be received by the Congress. This is happening. And as I said the other day in a tweet, uh, one of the only good things coming out of 2020 is that Joe Biden has been declared uh, victor of the presidential race nine times officially. It never ends. Uh, every every week, there's a new declaration by someone. So exactly, you know, I think at some point the truth will sink in. And I think the most important thing, which uh, President-elect Biden is doing, is moving forward. It is getting his coronavirus passport. It is making a plan for distribution. It is putting his cabinet members, including um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Treasury uh, Secretary Yellen, uh, someone who I respect a lot, um, and so many of the others that will be coming on board. Uh, so I think this is an exciting time for that. It, it is, but um, you've noted that there are Republicans who are uh, recognizing truth, but there are a lot of Republicans in the Congress, as well as state attorneys general and governors, who are still working to overturn the results of the election. Uh, you had 106 members of the House of Representatives. Very disturbing. Very, okay, so that I was going to ask you, what's your reaction to these members of Congress doing that and the case's merits in general? Uh, well, I, I am appalled that they would do that when it is every secretary of state, every state, let's note, has certified their election results. They are standing behind their election results. Uh, legislators have turned down this uh, cockamamie idea that they would somehow thwart uh, the process and have not done it, including Republican legislators like in Michigan. Um, and so uh, in the end, I don't think these suits or their attempts or anything will have any merit. They're just simply doing it to suck up to Donald Trump. We know that. They're afraid of him. He has a strong base. We certainly know that. But all of that being said, we still have to look to the future and what I call the day after tomorrow, what we're going to have to be doing um, to run this country. And I know that's um, how a number of uh, leaders feel, and I just don't have any choice but to make this inauguration um, as normal as it can be in terms of the fact that we do have a peaceful transition of power and um, as positive as we can given the troubling times we're in.
I can't explain what they do. I can only say that we won. We won the presidency. We won it by millions of votes. And they lost and they're gonna have to deal with it. And I don't think the nation should have to go through, as John Bolton said, uh, nine stages of grief with Donald Trump. Okay, that's not our job. But the one thing I do wanna say to your listeners, and you've got listeners of all generations, because this is such a cool idea, is that for once when Joe Biden gets sworn in as president and Kamala Harris as vice president, you're not gonna have to lay up and wake at night trying to figure out how to govern the nation yourself. Okay, like, how am I gonna pass this bill? What am I gonna do about this? Like, you can get a good night's sleep. I'm personally just will be even more relieved just on Monday when the electors actually elect the president. I wish we didn't have a college, but we do have an electoral college. So that'll make me feel a lot better. The states have actually certified all 50 of them, their Mm -hmm. results. But what happens is the electoral college votes that's coming up uh, this coming Monday, the Electoral College votes. And then after that, um, in January, in that first week in January, January 6th or 7th, that time period, um, by law, the Congress receives those results. So about six of us, eight of us actually read in each state. I did it in 2016. And then the Vice President of the United States, that would be Mike Pence, uh, presides over it. If there is some dispute uh, that is going on, it can actually go back. First of all, a senator has to be associated with the dispute. It can't just be a House member doing it. I know that. Secondly, uh, the vice president can rule on it. And third, if all that goes bad, it has to go to both uh, houses of Congress, whereas you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi is a speaker um, in the House. So. I don't anticipate all that will happen, but there are safety valves in place if for some reason uh, there is an objection uh, that isn't immediately overruled, which it should be given these results. Yeah. Um, I am concerned though, given everything you've said, there is still seven in 10 Republicans, according to a recent poll, do not believe in the legitimacy of Biden's win. That means that the misinformation of Trump and his unfounded claims of fraud, the frivolous lawsuits, have been effective in misleading voters. That seems to me it's going to pose some challenges to the Biden administration in terms of passing legislation, confirming nominees. What can we do to get the facts out to the Republicans? Um, How do we turn this around? What are the hurdles that Biden is now facing because of this? Well, I think, first of all, you will see uh, maybe uh, after the Electoral College vote, as you point out, that's going to unglue a few more Republican leaders from all of this. The inauguration has to be planned. It is being planned right now. I think that moment is the moment where reality hits, honestly, for some of them. When it's received by Congress, the Congress has to literally uh, verify these results and I'll be up there in the House Uh, in my role as the lead Democrat on the Rules Committee uh, doing that. That happens the first week in January. There's all kinds of moments where uh, people who have been refusing to accept this result uh, do. And I will say Donald Trump himself did say that he would respect the Electoral College uh, results. So I I don't know what else you can say. Yeah, although he was asked a question about how the next administration would handle something about the... uh, uh, epidemic. And he said, well, it depends on what the next administration yeah. is. I won all those other states, all the swing states. Mm-hmm. So he, he hasn't quite 
gotten to reality, in my opinion. But Oh, no, no, no. Exactly. So now we want to move on to COVID, which has affected all of our lives, especially for my generation, um, many of whom, you know, just graduated from college and face unemployment or have been laid off during the pandemic. Can you let many concerned students and especially, you know, families as well know what the current status of the COVID relief bill is and why it's taking so long to pass it? Uh, two words for that answer, Mitch McConnell. Uh, because you have a bipartisan group, and obviously there's been conflicts. The House has passed a number of good bills, including the HEROES Act, and it's been sitting on its desk. And you now have a bipartisan group of people like Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, um, and a number of Democrats, and really all of us are working on it one way or another. Um, I've been working on a number of provisions, including the Save Our Stages bill that I lead to save the music venues um, Mm -hmm. across the country. It's actually a pretty big deal in all the theaters. Uh, they've all banded together from country music to First Avenue in Minneapolis, uh, Prince's um, uh, home venue. And <clears throat> so we are really working hard to get this bill done. And I think part of it is that we know that we're seeing a spike in COVID. Uh, we don't have the vaccines out, although we're very excited to see that light at the end of the tunnel. We need distribution money to get the vaccines out. Rapid testing, so it's not just private school kids uh, that get these tests. It's unbelievable to me. Um, or the NFL that gets the test. Because as the vaccine comes out, we should have an increase in testing too, because not everyone's going to get the vaccine at the same time, yet things are going to start to open again. And then finally, help for schools and small businesses. And um, um, where we've seen, I think a Yelp survey showed 800 a day were closing during the first seven months. Um, And so um, all of that, we have to see this as a Band-Aid over this time period to get through the winter. And in Minnesota, it's pretty cold in the winter. Um, and so we want to get that through. And uh, the reason it's not passing is that there are people that really will not, do not want to admit the severity of this. Unlike the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, who said it would be tragic if we didn't get something done. He gets it. Um, and so I still have hope. Uh, I have personally said I'm not going home until we get this done. So I've been spending every weekend here with my limited Christmas decorations in my home and swigging low-fat eggnog out of the refrigerator. So, you know, I am, um, and with a little bit of wine here and there, so I am really um, hoping, and it's a real, it's actually quite a incentive for people uh, to try to get it done. Yeah, well, we thank you for all of your hard work. And before we let you go do that, um, do you have any advice or anything that you would tell students and young people who are struggling right now during COVID? Um, a lot of us, like I said, face uh, a lot of uncertainty with school. A lot of us, you know, freshmen in college are doing it from home. Like any advice for us as we kind of approach this really uncertain time? Of course, to hang in there, to keep your grandma and grandpa safe, uh, to uh, follow the rules and know that uh, well, in your life, this is a big part of your life. One year, right? It feels it's bad. But at the same time, having that patience to get through it, knowing we're going to get through it. And also knowing that while uh, people have had internships ruined and jobs go away and the whole life uprooted, I know this, my uh, daughter uh, lived, uh, came back from New York. She's now back in New York for the summer with her boyfriend and lived at our house. And uh you know, that was a change in our home. And so I uh, can know how difficult this has been uh, for people who have so many hopes and dreams. And I really think we're going to get through this. And not only that, um, the technology changes, the ability to work more at home, the ability uh, to do jobs from wherever you are, some of that in the end is going to 
um, be a positive uh, for so many young people who have some of the skills that maybe Jill and I don't have. Um, and I think that will be uh, good. And then I also think that just getting the economy back again and doing some smart things out of Washington will make a difference. For sure. And I know my generation in particular um, definitely finds comfort in listening to a senator like yourself giving us words of encouragement and wisdom. But um, we don't want to take any more of your time. So we just want to thank you so much again for coming on our podcast and spending uh, a few minutes with us. And we know that you are you know, fighting for us and you need to get that COVID relief bill package fast. So we will let you do that. Thanks so much, Senator Klobuchar. Yes, thank you for being sure. with okay. us. Thank right. you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Intergenerational Politics. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. Thanks so much. See you in our next episode.